Well, it is a good morning. Would y'all pray with me? Father God, we are like those whose fortunes you restored, like those who dreamed, those whose mouths you filled with laughter. God, we thank you for, um, for not giving us and our culture what we deserve, but for giving us grace and mercy uh, that's been poured out through your Son, the, the general grace that he gives all men and the particular grace that he gives his people. God, we thank you for both this morning. And um, we just ask, Lord, that you would come among us. We ask that you would help us to put eyes on the things that you have done. And what you've laid on my heart to say, I pray that, uh, that it would be an, uh, an edifying word for my brothers and sisters. Um, and that we would give you adequate thanks and praise for what you've done. And we ask it in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. All right, so uh, your sermon text this morning is Psalm 126. And um, if, you, if you would go ahead and turn there while I do some uh, introductory uh, statements. First of all, just congratulations. Uh, that's way past due to Audrey and to Lauren for, uh, for graduating. So it's hard, right, when, uh, when there's not a whole school system that pauses to, to celebrate. To, you know, homeschool graduation is still a big deal, and so uh, just kind of like, hey, yeah, good, good job, guys. So anyway, just want to uh, acknowledge that and say congrats for uh, diligence. Second thing, um, so this week I got a I got a text from the brother who led uh, our trip to Ethiopia when I got to go. Uh, I, it was I think a year or two ago, maybe, and go to Ethiopia and um, and teach uh, equip pastors there on how to read and interpret and teach the Bible. Um, it's one of the most fruitful and joyful times I've ever gotten to um, in, in, you know, equipping pastors. And so he sent me a text uh, a week and a half ago and he's like, hey, when are you going back to Ethiopia with us? I'm like, do you say the word? If you're waiting on me, you're backing up. And, um, and he said, would September be too early? And so I asked the elders, they said I could, I could swing it. So September, I have an invitation to go back to Ethiopia to work with. This is really cool. The same group of brothers are finishing the first round of curriculum. It's three years. And then they are launching the next, uh, the next round. And so they're combining them. So instead of 80 pastors, there's going to be 160 Ethiopian brothers there coming to be equipped on how to study and teach God's word. And so just a huge, awesome uh, invitation uh, that I'm going to, that I, that I committed to go on. So that'll be in September. We leave September 11th. So uh, be praying for that. And then also, please don't give anything to that that you're planning to give to the church. But if there's anything extra in your budget that you could carve out to, uh, to be a part of that work, I would be much appreciative, um, as would the brothers in Ethiopia. But um, but don't miss a meal for it, all right? Unless the Lord leads you to it. Uh, lastly, next week, we're going to start, the next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll start um, walking through the book of Genesis uh, together. And uh, I don't think we're going to start it next week, but maybe the week after Sunday evenings at our house in LaGrange, we're going to start studying the book of Revelation. For those of you who are a part of the adult Sunday school class where we walk through both of those books, it's repeat, and so you can play hooky, but most of the church didn't get to walk through those, 
And so, um, and they're both formative. So we've got the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end coming up, Genesis and Revelation. So, uh, so yeah, that, that's where we're going. Now, what are we doing today? Let me, let me explain. Okay, July 4th, 1776, we celebrate the anniversary of that tomorrow. Quote, listen to these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator, capital C, with certain inalienable rights, meaning rights that cannot be taken because they were gifted by God. Self-evident. We're not going to argue that's reality. Among these are life, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness by which they meant property. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, which, by the way, is just biblical doctrine. Uh, see, when Solomon died and gave the kingdom to Rehoboam, and Rehoboam tried to run the kingdom any way he wanted to, and they, the rest of Israel said, no, don't get to do it, and they, and they rebelled. Driving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, the ends of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and property, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government at the end of the Declaration of Independence. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, not that they cared about God or anything like that, God is saturating this document. For the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. July 4th, 1776. Glorious. We get to celebrate it tomorrow. December 15th, 1791. Anybody know what that day is? You had a declaration of independence. You had a war for independence. You had... Uh, the Constitution that was written, and then three guys, Madison, John Jay, and somebody whose name slips my mind, wrote the Federalist Papers saying we need to add a Bill of Rights to our Constitution that guarantees, not guarantees these inalienable rights. Everybody knows that they are ours, but we need a Bill of Rights that curtails the power of the federal government so that they never try and take these rights from us. And so we ratified in December 15, 1791, the Bill of Rights. And that should be a date that we all celebrate. April 9, 1865, Lee surrenders to Granite Appomattox Courthouse, ending the Civil War, ending the most bloody battle, uh, the most bloody war in American history. Also a date we should remember, December 7, 1941, day that shall live in infamy. Anybody? Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Both of my granddads dropped out of high school in response to this date, December 7, 1941. A day which will live in infamy, Pearl Harbor. And we entered the world war that we were trying to carefully avoid. And June 24th, 2022. Anybody tell me what that day means? The day of life, the day of liberty. It is a day which should be, it should live to be revered in the hearts of every American, but especially every Christian. So this morning, we're going to praise God for two things. If you say, well, 
um, December or uh, June 24th, 2022 is the day which, in which our Supreme Court repented over a massive mistake that they had made in 1973. They took power that was constitutionally not theirs, and they took power uh, they, in, in rebellion against the sovereign Lord of this universe, Jesus Christ. They said that our Constitution guarantees a woman the right to murder, and they were dead wrong. June 24th, 2022, they said we got it wrong. And that power, uh, that question as to whether or not that's a right or whether or not that, uh, that human being in a mother's womb ought to be protected, that goes to the states. And so June 24th, 2022 is a day which we should revere, we should remember, uh, we should praise God for. And so if you're, I want to address two groups, Christians and Americans. First of all, Christians, you should rejoice in this day because this is a day where in at least some pockets of these United States of America, an unborn child is still viewed as the image of God that ought to be protected, that must be protected. I cannot believe that I get to tell you this statement, that I stand in a state where it is illegal right now to take the life of any human being, regardless of how big, how small, or where their location is. Is that not worthy of saying, God be praised? His image now gets to be protected at the state level. Secondly, if you're an American, you ought to, be, you ought to rejoice in this. Wherever you stand on the issue of abortion, you should rejoice in this because the Supreme Court remembered what the Supreme Court is for and therefore, our Constitution is going to start to matter once again. When you do away with those things, you can't ever draw a line of application of the Constitution. It can't be a guiding, governing document. But once you say the, gov the, the Constitution did not give them the right to do that, and they acknowledged it, it, is, it boggles the mind. It boggles the mind that they went back and got that right. Okay? never thought we would be able to say that in my lifetime the state of texas is an abortion free our attorney general posted on social media the day that roe versus wade was overturned and he said it is now illegal to take the life of the unborn in the state of texas and all god's people said amen amen, amen. now here's what i want to do for us this morning because it is as though the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion and we were like those who dreamed. Anybody, now, you might say, well, yeah, the, the opinion was leaked and so we knew this was coming down the pipe. I didn't believe that. I'll just be straight up with you. I didn't believe it for the same reason when I get an email from Nigeria, my cousin, who's the king of Nigeria, who's found the diamond mine and the gold mine and wants to send me $10 billion. The same reason I didn't believe that it's the same reason I didn't. It's just, it's too good. It's too good to be true. It'd be leaked for the first time an opinion's leaked. It's just, it's too good to be true. And then when I was in the land of the leftists up there in, uh, in Minnesota, I got word that indeed the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. And so here's what I want to do. I just want to celebrate with you the fact that God did something momentous in our, in our culture for, for the sake of his name. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start a sentence and then I'm going to finish it several different ways. The sentence goes like this. And may God be praised for, and then we're going to fill in the blank. Now, some of what I'm going to say 
Some of you are going to love. Some of you are going to loathe. I just don't care. I just don't care. Because everything that I'm going to say this morning is absolutely true and in accordance with God's word. And so if I say something that doesn't sound right, just hear me out. Okay, don't, don't start throwing things at me yet. But I think it's our job when God restores our fortune and he fills our mouth with laughter. It is our job to say among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. And so may God be praised for, I think I have five things. I'll explain each one. May God be praised for President Donald Trump. Let me explain. I'm saying this as a man who did not vote for him. Not only did I not vote for him, I refused to vote for him. I tried to talk other people out of voting for him. Why? Because when he ran for president, first off, he was making all of these conservative statements. If you could sift through all of the insult and the shock sort of, you know, drama and all of that, if you listen to what he was actually saying, his policies were conservative, his policies were constitutional, he was saying things that resonate with me as a Christian and as a conservative, but I just didn't trust him. I didn't trust that he would keep his word because, let me ask you, what president has ever kept their word, has ever said, this is my platform, and then executed their platform? Nobody does it. They all pander to, uh, particularly to Christians on the right, and then once they get in office, they just do whatever they want to do, and so... I wasn't among the never-Trumpers, but I was among the certainly not-Trumpers, okay? And I told people, and I tried to talk people out of it. And then in the midst of all of that, he released a list, a short list. Do you remember this? Of We knew some of the Supreme Court justices, at least one, were going out. We knew it. And he said, if I'm in office, when one of them goes out, this is the, this is the type of person I'm going to appoint. He gave a short list. And all of us who care about these things looked and said, man, strict constitutionalist. They understand natural law and these types of things like that bodes really well for the Supreme Court. But again, I did not trust him to keep his word. I thought it was just a ploy to get elected. And I cannot tell you how glad I am that I was dead wrong. I don't sign off on all of the silliness and all of those things. But listen to me. Donald Trump put millions of babies beyond the reach of the butcher's knife. He's been the most pro-life president in the history of our nation. So I'm for him, grateful for him, in the same way that I'm grateful for Samson. Let me ask you something. When the story of Samson starts and he says uh, that he, we, we see this like amazing birth of Samson, you know, Jesus shows up in the Old Testament to, to tell his mother and father that he's coming. And all of a sudden he grows up and he looks at an uncircumcised Philistine girl and he says to his dad, she looks good. Get her for me for a wife. How many of you say, wait, I don't want that guy leading Israel. Raise your hand if you vote for Samson at this moment in time, right? He's lusting after a pagan and his dad is saying, Dude, like we've got beautiful women in Israel from, from our people marry within the, the covenant. And he's saying, no, she's really pretty. How many of you are voting for Samson? Nobody ought to vote for that guy. And yet, the text says, and it's a glorious statement, 
they did not know, his parents, his mother and father, they did not know that it was the Lord seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. He is stirring up. He's using this crackpot Samson to pick a fight that he intends to win. And I think God did the same thing with Donald Trump. So I, let me just state this as robustly as I can. I think history will remember Donald Trump as the great emancipator, far above and beyond what, how we remember Abe Lincoln, far above and beyond. Uh, I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, that which is not eternal is eternally out of date, right? My nephew, whom I love, he's desperate to get a mullet. He wants a mullet haircut. And do you know how long that's gonna last? It has the shelf, shelf life of like milk on the counter. It's not gonna last long. That which is not eternal is eternally out of date. We're eternally looking back and saying, man, think about the, the, the eugenics argument of 1940s. It's evil, right? That which is not eternal is eternally out of date. He's not going to get the credit that is due him right now. But I'm telling you, because he submitted to reality as it is, that those, are, those, are, those unborn babies are image bearers of God and he did what no other person had the courage to do to protect them to sow the seeds of their deliverance by appointing Supreme Court justices who knew their constitution he will be known as the great emancipator I want to tell you one other thing that's massive about this when Abraham Lincoln gave the emancipation proclamation it's very interesting he freed all of this all of the slaves in the south not in the north so while the Civil War is going on, you have a Civil War that we're told in public schools all the time was just over slavery. Ulysses S. Grant, the general of the North, is going against Robert E. Lee, the general in the South. One of them has slaves, one of them does not. Right? So the whole thing gets, gets reworked and, and, um, and misunderstood. But Lincoln is credited with ending race-based southern slavery in these United States. And we can all say, God be praised, that it's gone. Amen? We do not in any way um, like or think it was... Uh, we just roundly condemn race-based southern slavery as, it, as uh, all, all American slavery as it existed. But in order to put that evil... Uh, to death, Abraham Lincoln, the way he went about it, it caused the death of 600,000 Americans, 1.5 million casualties in the Civil War. Meanwhile, just across the pond, under the leadership and the persuasion of William Wilberforce, England was able to do the same thing, to, to rid their country of slavery without a shot fired. Nobody died. So we ought to look and say, in both cases, we are, we praise God that slavery was done away with. This way, honored God, nobody died. They repented, they got it right, nobody died. This way, a generation of Americans died. We could have done it differently. We want it gone, it should have happened differently. 1.5 million casualties uh, from the way um, Lincoln went about it. And here in our day, uh, the Guttmacher Institute says that one in five pregnancies, American pregnancies, ended in abortion. Uh, that almost a million were committed last year, in 20, or, uh, two years ago in 2020. So Trump sowed the seeds of historic reclamation of, of human rights. 
He put millions of babies, again, out of the reach of murderers. And he did it lawfully, and nobody died. That is amazing. That is amazing. Father in heaven, we thank you for the glorious song you played us all on a cracked flute. You ought to be grateful, and I am grateful. May God be praised. Okay, may God be praised, secondly, for the optimism of so many people. May God be praised for the optimism of so many people because their optimism kept us in the fight. Think about this. There were 13 states in the Union that had trigger laws in effect. You guys know trigger laws? They passed, the states passed laws that should the, should the Supreme Court ever overturn Roe v. Wade, immediately that would trigger this law to come into effect in our state, and those trigger laws banned abortion. Now, think about this for a moment. Why in the world would a state waste their time on that? Unless they believed that someday Roe versus Wade would be overturned. Why would you even waste your time? They, one of two things. There were people in those states that really believed that at some point God would do something about this. He would answer our prayers and overturn it. And therefore, they pushed and pushed and prayed and demanded that their states do that. Now, I don't doubt that there are many in those states who wrote that legislation who didn't think at all that God would ever overturn Roe v. Wade. And so it's just a way that they could pander and get votes from the Christian right. But at the end of the day, trigger laws came into effect because some people in our culture did not give up hope that God would work on our behalf. And so they continued to pray. They continued to work. They continued to vote to do everything they could to withstand this generational evil of our culture. Praise God for the optimism of so many people. Praise God for the prayer and work of so many individual singular Christians that have been working since 1973. I saw there's a pastor in Arizona um, who went to an abortion mill one time and he stood outside and he talked about this guy that you and I have never heard of. And he talked about his faithfulness and the title of the, the talk was The Faithfulness That Broke Concrete or something to that effect. And he showed how there was this crippled man who couldn't stand on his own two feet. And so he always had crutches. And every single day for decades, when that abortion mill was open, he was out front in the same spot with his crutches on the ground, pleading with moms not to murder their unborn babies. Day after day, year after year, for a decade or more. And Jeff Durbin goes over to the concrete and he showed, he ran his hand so that you could get the feel of it. The indentations that this man's crutches made in the stone because he stood for life for a decade. That is optimism for which we ought to all be grateful. That he believed, as many others did, that God at some point will undertake for us and right this wrong. The fact that abortion remained a topic of conversation in our country for so long is a testament to those people who never gave up hope that God would deliver us from this evil. Um, I heard um, a seasoned guy who's been taking this fight, he's an incrementalist, Doug Wilson, like wanting to, wanting to see Roe v. Wade overturned, wanting to see life protected, and he's talking to a bunch of hotshot guys that are really frustrated at all the incrementalists we just got to go for it. We got we to do this right now. And he said, guys, and they were lamenting the fact. How many Christians 
have, have come and gone and done nothing for abortion. And he said this great statement. He said, you don't understand. Go to England. Go to Germany. Go to any of these other former Christian nations. They don't care about abortion. It's not a topic of conversation anymore because nobody cares. The fact that it's still a major presidential and political issue in our day is because Christians have not swallowed the line. That it's not a big deal. That we're just going to move on. That the fight is over. So many millions of Christians have stood, refused to take the lie that is so prevalent in our day. The lie that the world is headed for damnation and that there's nothing that can be done. Some of us prayed hard and fought in the name of Jesus Christ to this end, to end this generational evil. And though they have not yet won the fight, we have secured the beach and we thank God for it. We have not. Uh, the, the, the question of abortion is far from answered in our culture, but we've secured a beach. Now there's an actual um, hope that we can win and protect human beings everywhere. God be praised for the optimism of some. May God be praised. This is glorious. May God be praised for the irony of time and numbers. Of time and numbers. Listen to this. I, I, I almost wanted to get a show of hands. Everybody that's happy that Roe versus Wade was overturned. We would be happy on a Monday or a Tuesday. We would be happy in 2022. We'd be happy in 1940, whatever. We would be happy regardless of the time. We would be glad. But it just so happened that God did some, did some things to communicate that it was by his doing in his time in order to delight his people. So I know of three things that occurred to me. Maybe they've occurred to you, maybe they haven't. Um, but it's astounding, the timing of all of this for a few reasons. First of all, June. June. Why is June important in our culture? It's Pride Month. It's the month where all across our land, businesses and governmental in, uh, institutions are, uh, are expected to take the sign of the mercy of God, the covenant mercy that God promised to Noah to never flood the earth because of its sinfulness again. They take that sign of the mercy and covenant-keeping, loving-kindness of God, and they put it on their buildings in order to show that they affirm the rebellion against God. And so in Taylor, I saw a video uh, a brother sent me in Taylor, Texas, where there was, a, there was a, during Pride Month, a drag show of a bunch of grown men dressed as grown woman prostitutes doing stripper pole dancing. And a whole bunch of kids are in there being taught how to go up and slip a one and a two and a five, no two, but one and a five and a ten in the G-string of some transvestite man. That's called child abuse. But our culture celebrates these things. We should be proud of these things. In the month where defiance of Almighty God had reached its fever pitch, God said, try this one on. Try this one on. You no longer can abort children without impunity. The nation wanted to be proud in our rebellion against God. And God said, here's a spoonful of humility. I reign. I'm in charge here. I am Lord. Not only that, not only did he challenge their power, challenge their pride with his humility. Think about this with me, Christian. What do you expect to read 
in the, in the headlines, that this nation, that from top to bottom, everybody is rebelling against God, uh, bragging and boasting in their defiance of Almighty God. You know what I expect to read? And the heavens rain down wrath, and he turned them into fire and salt. But God gives this mercy in this month. It's amazing. It, it staggers the mind, our God. He did it in June. Let me tell you what else. Anybody know January 22nd, 1973? Anybody want to guess? In context, you should know 1973. You should give it away. That's Roe. That's Roe versus Wade. January 22nd, 1973. Russ, help me out here. This year is 2022. Please don't tell me I did my math wrong because my whole point will lose its power. How many years between 1973 and 2022? If we bumped 22 to 23 to make it even tens, because guys, don't do math, 73, 83, 93, 2003, uh, 2013, and then 2020. So, so not 50 years, but 49, right? Who cares, right? Listen to this. You shall count, this is Leviticus 25, you shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven, so that the time of the seven weeks of years uh, shall give you 49. The distance of time between 1973 and this year, the year of our Lord, 2022, 49 years. And then you shall sound the loud trump at trumpet, that's what it says. You shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month in the day of atonement. You shall sound the trumpet through all your land and you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a year of jubilee for you. Most Christians in America have never heard the term jubilee and yet God gave it to us on the nose Proclaim liberty, liberty to all in your land, especially to those innocent who are being slaughtered. While many Christians haven't even heard of a jubilee, God gave us one that we did not deserve. That is marvelous. That is marvelous. Last, and there are probably a thousand more. I just don't do numbers, and so these are the only ones that occurred to me. Tomorrow, July 4th, right? We celebrate the Declaration of Independence. Do you know how many states told England we've had enough with tyranny? How many signed the Declaration of Independence? There were 13 states that said enough is enough. We're free. We're dissolving our political unions with you, and you're no longer get to practice tyranny over us. Interesting number, seeing as how there were 13 states exactly that had trigger laws in effect that said, we're not going to tolerate tyranny in our state anymore. 13 states. You've got June was Pride Month. You've got 73 to 2022, 49 years, a year of Jubilee. And you've got 13 states once again standing and saying, no, we're not going to do it. We're not going to swallow it. The irony of time and numbers. These things show us that God is indeed a God of mercy and great humor. And we praise God that he saw the most minuscule details just so that we would not miss his good hand of providence.
God could have done it any old time and we would all would have said, thank you, Lord. But he did it in all of these ways to just stick it to us that he's in charge and that he's a God of grace and mercy. Fourth, may God be praised for a constitutional republic. By constitutional republic, what I mean is that the Christian thinkers who knew, they knew, the Christian thinkers who founded our country knew that it was their duty, the duty of every faithful Christian to shape the culture in which they live, to baptize the nations. Now, I'm not trying to maintain that all of our framers of our Constitution were biblical Christians, but the vast majority were. And those that were not were, at worst, deists who acknowledged a creator, who acknowledged that we are creaturely, and they were mistaken in thinking that God created the world and left it to its own devices, and now we get to use reason and, um, and all of these wisdom and those types of things to govern ourselves. Um, there were a few that were deists that were wrong on that score, but the vast majority were biblical Christians who knew that it was our uh, that obedience to Christ looked like faithfully trying to shape the culture in which they lived. And so, when our Constitution was written, a really famous story: uh, Benjamin Franklin walks out of the uh, of the meeting, and a lady says, "Good sir, what is it? A monarchy or a republic?" They had no idea when they said, "We're dissolving bands in England." We didn't know where we were going as a nation. It was still a, a topic of conversation. And so the American people waited for their leaders to make a decision. Ben Franklin comes out, sir, what do we have? A monarchy or a republic? And do you know what he told her? He said, you have a republic if you can keep it, man. Meaning, these things have to be protected. Now, in 1973, listen to me. Wars should have been fought over that, over that decision. You cannot do this. And, and, the, and the tyranny, the republic had disappeared years before that. But the Supreme Court just overturned Roe versus Wade and gave constitutional authority back to the states where it belongs. And it is in thanks to the wisdom that went into the system of checks and balances that were written into our country's founding documents. It was the failure of our judicial branch which gave birth to abortion rights in our nation. They created, they called them constitutional, but they created rights ex nihilo, out of nothing. They don't exist, but here they are. That was a mistake made in 1973, and what we witnessed a week and a half ago was a literal resurrection from the dead of those checks and balances and freedoms which reversed the decision. God be praised. God be praised for a constitutional republic, for wise men who did a wise thing. And we, how long ago was 1776? It's a long time. And we benefit, last week, we got a cool draft of water from the fount that they dug. That's amazing to me. That's amazing. God be praised for that. Lastly, God be praised for a gospel word for all the guilty. For all the guilty. Think about this with me for a second. Uh, you had Nazi Germany, right? And we know that when Hitler started to round up and execute the Jews, we know that there were a lot of good, mostly Lutheran Christian Germans that protected their Jewish neighbors, hid them in their basements, and lied, like Pua and Shifra in Exodus 1, lied to the tyrant. 
No, I hate the Jews. No, I, I'd turn them in. Meanwhile, they're protecting families downstairs. They're lying to protect, okay? Because they knew it was the right thing for them to do. Um, we know that many of those people, when they were found out, they were thrown into uh, the concentration camps alongside the Jewish people that they were trying to protect. But downstream from that, it is really hard for us to imagine. Think about this now. You being a good German citizen and going to the grocery store next to Auschwitz. It's hard for me to imagine just doing normal life when there's this grotesque evil there, right in front of your face. And last year, I got to go meet some buddies of mine up in Austin. And because you can't find parking in Austin, I had to drive around the block to the restaurant that we were just great food uh, in this restaurant that we were gonna that we were gonna eat at and I couldn't park there and so I had to pull around the corner and there right in my shadow is an abortion mill a murder mill Planned Parenthood right right there and it so in the same way that it's really hard for me to imagine a good faithful Christian doing life around Auschwitz it's really hard for me to imagine that I've sought to be a good, faithful Christian doing life in, um, in a nation where billions of dollars have been taken from the American citizens and put to this evil Moloch worship. Um, your tax dollars and mine have been put to work in the execution of millions of innocent Americans. There are Christians who, uh, when we talk about, um, let me say this, there are Christians, when we talk about abortion, that it's the same thing I feel when anybody, myself included, roundly condemns pornography as that which is uh, castrating the church. It is uh, ruining families. It's making us weak. And I hear those things and I say, yes and amen, that's evil. And then the still small voice that's not from the Lord says, yeah, but what about your history? Because it had me by the throat. It had me by the throat. And so I have a hard time when, any, when I talk about those things and uh, roundly condemning them because I know that I'm, I, I, I am guilty there. And it's the same thing here. When we roundly and robustly condemn the abortion of the unborn, there are those in the church who participated. Willfully, unwillfully, we participated. And so what do we do? Well, we praise God for a gospel word for all the guilty. There's not a single American that remains untouched by this evil. But it is a trustworthy statement worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And by means of his own blood, he entered once for all into the holy place, thus securing eternal redemption for us. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Are your hands bloody here? I've got great news for you. The Lord Jesus came to wash you clean. And that's great, great news for all of us. So you can be free from condemnation. Brothers and sisters, God knows our guilt he offers us not only a way out of judgment, but a way to be cleansed, to be washed 
free of the stain of sin? Does your conscience condemn you like mine does on the issue of abortion? Then you have no hope in Christ. In him, you have hope indeed. His body was broken for you. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin and mine. All so that we could be washed clean from our sin. If you have repented and believed upon Christ for mercy and grace, then I say to you this day in his name, as a minister of his gospel of grace and peace, you are forgiven. To say otherwise is to call God a liar. And that is not safe. So come to the table, certifying in your heart that God speaks the truth and that you are forgiven. Come rejoicing at the good fortune he has restored to our nation Come celebrating. Come, brothers and sisters, with your mouths full of laughter. For he has restored us to himself in Christ. You come. Welcome to Jesus. Father God, what you did is amazing. So we thank you for these things. And Lord, we thank you that as we celebrate them, it's a broken celebration, just like every single other celebration of righteousness for us is a broken celebration because we have not been what we ought to be. And so, Lord, in the midst of all of this, you extend to us the promise of redemption, the promise of cleansing and pardon. So that our celebration of these things doesn't have to be curtailed with the, yeah, but your history. That's gone. You have removed it as far as the east is from the west. And you beckon us to come without caveat and celebrate. And so whatever sin, whatever sin is eating us, Lord, we confess it to you. And we come to the table remembering our sin bearer, remembering the one who died in our place, who died for our sin and who rose triumphant from the dead. So God, grant, grant your Holy Spirit to minister to us as we eat and drink in remembrance now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.